This is Let's Talk Business with your hosts, Mark Ebinger and Howie Nestel. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Let's Talk Business, a show that highlights and promotes entrepreneurs to learn more about their vision, goals, and marketing strategy. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk with Jesse Hans Diaz, the founder of Hans Pickleball Company here in San Antonio. Jesse, first timer. Welcome to the show. Howdy. Blessed to be here. Thank you for having me. You bet, man. I like the logo going on your hat, too. It looks sharp. Thank you. I had a little help from Sharkmatic over here. Oh, <laughs> Sharkmatic. Yes. Wow. Heard of them. <laughs> Right. We're also going to talk with Daniel Grove, a photo and video expert and the owner of Daniel Grove Photography. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Very excited to be here. Yeah, also first timer. I watched, uh, I was doing my research on you, watched some videos uh, on YouTube. Oh, yeah. You know, I do a little stalking bit. Stalking me? Yeah, stalking <laughs> you just a little bit. Um, but yeah, good to get to know you and kind of you're a visionary. So I'm excited about our chat as well. In studio with us today is Howie Nestel, the owner of Sharkmatic Advertising, where he and his team have helped over 1,500 clients. Grow their marketing influence. Howie, great to see you again. Mark, happy to co-host and be on the same side of the table as you are. Roger that, sir. But just remember, this is the host chair over here. <laughs> I'm the assistant to the man. Aye, aye, captain. Right. Assistant the- to the regional manager, right? God, I love that show, The Office, right? So you can be an assistant to the host. Right. He goes, I'm the assistant manager. Well, you're actually the assistant to the manager. Same thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a T-shirt made up for Alex. Assistant to the host. There you go. <laughs> or yeah. code to the host or something. I don't know. It'll be fun. Well, I'm your host, Mark Hebinger, the owner of Kruka's Marketing Agency, a company that specializes in hiring virtual assistants from outside the United States. Of course, this is how I built my entire company. I absolutely love leveraging uh, low-cost help, remote work from outside the United States. It's a great way to do business, in my opinion. Uh, A quick reminder for our listeners, you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. And if you are a business owner in the San Antonio area and would like to have your company featured right here on the show, visit our website at satalkradio.com or call our office at 210-879-8804. That's 210-879-8804. We can get you booked on the show. So, Howie, your, is it your cousin or sister? Tirza. Tirza, my sister. Sister, yeah. So she was on the show when I was actually on vacation. You guys handled it for me. Uh, but she, there was a clip that was released uh, called The Story Behind the Stats of Pediatricians' Insightful Encounter. Over 5,400 views on Instagram. Yeah. So it did really, really wow. well. It went viral, yeah. It went viral. Wow. Don't ask me why, but it did. It's probably we her- can replicate it. We do it all the time. And I brought you a gift. You did. You know, Mark asked me, and I know and like both of these guys, so it's going to be a fun show today. I, Mark always asked me for a Howieism, and he actually coined that term. <laughs> and just one popped into my head when you were talking about, in your opinion, it's always a good idea to leverage you know, staff outside the United States, low-cost, effective staff. So my Howieism is that very few people care about your opinion, but more people care about your experience. So maybe you should say, in my experience, because that carries a lot more weight, because you've actually leveraged 25 people from the Philippines that you've hired to help grow the podcast and grow your business. So it's more than just your opinion. It's actually your experience that it actually works. Awesome. Well, thanks for that, Howie. I appreciate it. All right. We have the inaugural Let's Talk Business Podcast Mixer coming up on January 25th, 2024, from seven or 5.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. at Project Cowork Central, here, right here in San Antonio, Texas. This premier event will bring our show guests and mega fans together for two hours of fun and networking. And it's an opportunity to rub elbows with me, your host with the most, and of course, Howie here, the co-host with the most. 
the assistant to the yeah with us <laughs> with the, the, with the second most yeah with the second most as well as uh, Genevieve Sims and Heather Bame will also be there and uh, everybody's participating in the launch of this event and of course the uh, getting the word out uh, the goal is to sell those tickets out in two weeks which will still be here in November which would be awesome to talk about a sold out show for almost two months before it even right happens. yeah the whole idea is we wanted to limit it to a hundred guests and we're starting with the guests that have been on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's only ten dollars to participate, and the proceeds from the 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 podcast mixer will go to the Children's Rehabilitation Institute for children battling, uh, working, um, you know, to work through disabilities here in San Antonio. So it's a donation, but we did it in a way that one does something good for the community, and two really kind of limits the people that attend because I think it'll, it's very easy to get out of control with you know close to three hundred interviews. You know, more than 200 shows, uh, we'll sell out 100 tickets at 10 bucks a piece. Oh, yeah, for sure, no doubt. And it's going to be a good time. Great way to kind of get out there and mix it up a little bit. So if you're hearing this announcement for the first time, get over to the website ASAP and grab your tickets. If this isn't the first time you've heard this announcement, what are you waiting for? Go out and grab them while they're still available. Head on over to our website at satalkradio.com. Grab your tickets today, and we'll see you at the Let's Talk Business Podcast Mixer on January 25th, 2024. Now, if you'd like some extra points, then take a selfie of yourself with your tickets, your printed versions of the tickets, and post them on your social media and tag me and tag Howie and the rest Well, of then the I'm going to tag you on a post because I just put up a link to buy tickets on HowieNestel.com. That oh. just went up this morning. Cool. All right. So um, business branding. Um, I We talked about the logo on the hat. you got a great contrast there. really pops out. Um, Thank you. So... Brand personality, so your personal style versus what your target audience wants to see. Now, this is where I figure we'll mix it up a little bit here because there's like what I think will work and what my vision is of what I want to convey, but then there's also the practicality of what will actually work with your target audience. So, Howie, how do we find the balance in there, or do we? You Let's forget balance. I'm not a big fan of work-life balance. I'm not a big fan of how you brand and how you get to that point where it's what you want and what you think your clients want. I think you continuously improve. You continuously change. You explore and test to see what works. What doesn't work, you go back and tweak it and redeploy it. And if it works, you keep doing it as long as it's working. But know that some things are going to work for a certain amount of time, then they're going to stop working. Then you got to go and pivot again. So there's a great story that my Uncle Henry tells when he first took over the purchasing department at my then grandfather's store. My grandfather had founded the store, and he would buy Western wear. And every year they'd go to the big Western shows, buy Western wear, and sell it on the, in, uh, at their store uh, in Laredo, Texas. After about 30 years of being in business and growing the business, my uncle, his son, took over, and he went to the show for the first time on his own to buy clothing, and he bought what he liked. <laughs> mm-hmm. It shipped in, you know, a season early. They bring it all out, and nobody's buying it. So my grandfather asked his son, what's the deal? Why'd you change? What? He says, well, no, I bought all the new stuff, everything that I would wear that I would like. He said, you buy what your customer will buy from you. That's what you bring into the store. From the money they spend with us at the store and you get paid, then you go buy what you like. And the whole idea is that your opinion, my opinion, Jesse's opinion, Daniel's opinion, although interesting, is irrelevant. (laughs) What do our clients like? 
What do they want? What do they ask for? Now, as professionals, you know, if somebody asks Daniel, hey, you know, for my wedding picture, I'd like to get a picture of my spouse and I hanging from a tree over the San Antonio River, he might say, like, you know, probably not a good idea. I'll tell you why. So you could still you could still give your your opinion and based on your experience and your experience what might look better. So that's where you improve on it. So look, it's a it's a constant test, retest, redeploy, but you do want to know what your ideal customer is looking for and why other people have purchased from you. So it's always important to talk to clients. What attracted you to us? Why did you buy from us? What was it that appealed to you? And then do more of that. So Daniel, in, in your business, so people are going to come to you to Howie's point with an idea of what they want to see, right? Of what might work, and but it might be clearly outside the realm of what's <laughs> possible. How do you handle that? Well, in my experience, yeah, there <laughs> you go. hanging off a branch over the river is illegal and very dangerous. Um, so there are certain requests that I get that are um, fantastical and or impossible or illegal or dangerous. And so in that case, uh, my Photoshop expertise comes into play. There we go. <laughs> so I can fake things that are impossible or like that list of things I just gave. So that's an option. Um, but I get to know my client and get to feel out their style and their interests and their passions and try to work that into the photos. And uh, I, I usually, when they're coming to me, they usually don't have a whole lot of specific ideas on paper. So once I kind of mine out that information from their subconscious, things that they say and express, then I can, I usually come up with some ideas and present it to them and they'll pick one or two that they love. Um, but occasionally I'll get a client that comes that actually knows what they want. <laughs> and how <laughs> That's kind of cool, but. So you have a style to, mm, your, I, to yeah. your photos, right? Do you, in your opinion, in your experience, is there a, like, could somebody look at your photographs maybe who's like maybe higher skilled and say, okay, this is Daniel Grove's style. Yes. Can they pick that out? Definitely. Yesterday, not even long, yesterday, one of my photographer friends said she moved out of state, but she's still on some of the local Facebook groups, which I'm very active on. She said, every time I see you post in the, the shirts and the Cibolo groups, I know it's you. And I was like, ah, oh, thank you. Um, and when I picked my domain, danielgrovephoto.com, you know, initially I was thinking danielgrovephotography.com. That's a mouthful. And some people can't spell photography off the top of their head. They got to think about it. I do sometimes. So I said, yeah, I'm going to shorten it to Daniel Grove Photo. And that kind of sounds like a noun to me. Someone's going to say one day, that's a Daniel Grove Photo. And they are, uh, you know, 10 years plus. I'm, that's happening. And I love that. That happened actually <laughs> with the pic some pictures that you took of me. Oh, yeah. And then somebody saw them online, uh, Marion. <laughs> I won't say any last names. Yes, in case, I know. You know, gonna... And she goes, oh, my God, I love Daniel's <laughs> pictures. I go, you know him? He goes, yeah, I know who he is. I, I took one of his classes. I follow uh, him on social media. <laughs> I love her. So, yeah, people identify it. Awesome. You can also be identified for things that are not good mm -hmm. to be remembered. Oh, my God, was that how we <laughs> that stupid idea? High school yeah, pictures. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, you know, no, not pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jesse, when it comes to your launching, obviously, you know, your hands pickleball, uh, when it came to logo design and all of that kind of stuff, how much of your personality went into that, or was it just all Howie? No, I mean, of course, Howie helped a lot. Um, but, you know, it, it, it does come down to, yes, some of my personality. So I had to agree at some point. I didn't just, hey, here, Howie, take care of it. Whatever you come up with is it. But they gave me options, right, according yeah. to my feedback. And his he, he had ideas. He came with sketches. He came with things that he liked that he had seen. Then the team and I evolved the idea. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, I always say clients usually don't know what they want. They just don't, they know what they don't want, but there they have go. to see it to know they don't want it. So then from there, we create some, some logos. And then it was like, oh no, the reason I don't like this, even as the, the minute details of the 
pickleball holes in the logo, how many, what shape, where should they be, all that stuff. And then when you have a great collaboration between a client and an agency or a client, a photographer or a client, and a main podcast host, you get some nice synergy, and then the end result tends to be better. Right. And to your point, <clears throat> excuse me, I did some uh, market research, you know, some of the options that you provided me. I went out into the p- pickleball world and say, hey, some some friends and com- uh, other players and hey, what pops out to you? What stands out to you? Why? You know, and I notice you still do that because you text a group of us. Hey, what looks better, A or B, this or the other? To your point, pivot, pivot, pivot. Right. Always checking out what what is out there, despite what I like. I, but I pre- pre- presented options, and then right. from there you you helped. Yeah, it and down. as a leader, you have to just pick one and go, right? Of course. The problem that becomes if you ask too many people, you know, there's the whole paralysis from too much analysis. But I like to explain it as what the definition of a horse is. A horse is a a camel. No, wait, let's see. What is a camel? A camel is a horse designed by a committee. So uh, a horse was just fine. It's got its limitations, but it runs as fast. But it, when the committee gets together and it says, why don't we give it a bigger hoof so it can walk through the sand? Why don't we give it a longer neck so it can eat from the trees? Why don't we put some humps and there's water in there, you know? And then you have something that could barely walk, has to sleep on its knees or standing up. So I, I would say, don't, you know, don't get too much of a committee, but, you know, as a good leader and a good business owner, make decisions and go with it. Awesome. Love it. Point. All right, let's get into the uh, first segment here. First up on the show is Jesse Hans Diaz, the founder of Hans Pickleball Company here in San Antonio. So, Jesse, what's the? Uh, give me your background. How does that lead to you actually doing a, a pickleball uh, business? Uh, you know, it's so. I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, and I, I didn't really tap into it up, up until I moved into here to San Antonio from Chicago uh, after a bunch of learning experiences. Um, and again, tapping into the entrepreneur spirit, I was almost, uh, to do so, I was working a paralegal for almost a decade and I hit a ceiling. It was either become a lawyer or what else. And, um, at that point, um, an opportunity presented itself to me to, uh, venture out, quit my paralegal job and, um, uh, become a public insurance adjuster and, and represent, uh, policyholders on their, uh, damages against the insurance companies. Um, and that was really my first step into the entrepreneurial world as a business owner. Uh, always been a, a nine to five employee per se up until um, 2016. Um, that went well. Uh, it's still going well. We're representing homeowners to date. Uh, a lot of learning opportunities, a lot of pivoting. Um, but, you know, I reach my entrepreneurial spirit is still there. Uh, along the way, I fell into pickleball. Um, I have a tennis background. So uh, coming across pickleball, it just uh, I developed a passion for pickleball as well. And it's for me, naturally, it said it makes sense to combine the both. And here I am now. I may not know a lot about retail, but um, again, we're always pivoting. We're always learning. And that's my goal in this in this world to never stop learning. Well, how do you go from, okay, pickleball sounds like fun to, yeah, I want to go ahead and get this massive building and we want to actually start having tournaments and do the whole thing. It's like, what's the motive? Because that's got to be, it's always scary to launch a business, right? Entrepreneurship's no joke, but you're going into something that is risky. Absolutely. And um, that the, the development of a facility actually came along the way, which uh, I initially didn't have in the plans. 
uh, I was just I was working on in, uh, in terms of developing paddles, balls. What would I like as a player? Personal opinion versus market research. I combine both and put put paddles and and get them approved by USA Pickleball. Put them out there, and so it's it's in doing so it opened other opportunities for me. So I uh, one of those is developing a facility. Um, and so the, the thing about this facility that's so unique is uh, it's where pickleball meets building science. And um, I know it's not really answering your question, how do you get from there to here, but it's just along, it, it came along the way, along the path. And uh, I, uh, I identified an opportunity and I seized it. Yeah. And <clears throat> to piggyback on Mark's point, it, entrepreneurship is risky, but you know, sometimes you got to weigh that against waiting to see when you get the bill for not going into business, you know, and you stay in a job your entire life, especially a job that may or may not be your fat, your passion, and it's making you a pretty good living, right? The whole idea behind entrepreneurship is that you're, you know, you're swinging for the fences. You might hit a home run. That's the, that's the whole thing. If you stay in a career, you can make a good life. But, you know, with entrepreneurship, I think that there's, there's this gene of entrepreneurship that you don't really get an answer to why. I had a, I bought a company, a meal prep company one time because I got great results. I love the food. I got healthy eating it. So like an idiot, I decided to buy the company. <laughs> <laughs> then I realized three years later that I had no business in the meal prep, in the, in the food service industry. Not my passion, you know, but... I was able to sell the company to somebody whose passion it was. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you got to try it to know you don't like it or that you're not good at it. In your particular case, man, I think it dovetails perfectly. You know, you're a tennis player. Now you're, you play pickleball. You love the sport. You yeah. care about kids and teaching people and, and you like friends. You'd like, you're a social guy. Pickleball is a social sport. And it just dovetails perfectly. And your kids are involved, your wife's involved, and you go out to tournaments. And now he, opportunities are being created where there are tournaments and he goes and sponsors them, then he sets up, then people can buy, then, then he can promote his physical facility, which will open next year, and he'll already have an audience, not just you know the fake ones on social media that are following. You know, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, but I mean like real humans that live in San Antonio that may be following them on social media, but now are going to want to come out because they know Jesse and Hans Pickleball. They want to come out to the physical facility and play there. So real quick, what is Pickleball? <laughs> so uh, quickly, Pickleball is a hybrid, what I call a hybrid sport, it is a combination of, of tennis, badminton, and ping pong, if you will. Um, the... As opposed to tennis, tennis is a mechanism of pickleball. The difference is you have a smaller court, so it's roughly a 20 by 40. Um, and uh, it is a uh, wiffle ball instead of a tennis ball, uh, if you will, uh, or a ball with holes. Um, and a, instead of a tennis racket, you have a, a, a paddle. Uh, it's usually made out of different materials, but usually you'll see carbon fiber uh, material surface. Um, and so... Yeah, to answer your question, that's uh, in a nutshell. Yeah, I can tell you. Is. Let me explain it this way, okay? <laughs> tennis is hard. Pickleball is easy, okay? Tennis, it, the equivalent of tennis is deer hunting. You have to be in a blind and wear camouflage and be quiet and be out there at 5 o'clock in the morning, and it's cold. Pickleball is dove hunting. 
show up with a shotgun, shoot whatever moves, you're eating chicken wings <laughs> and drinking beer. Okay? That's pretty much it. But it and that's why yeah. there's a lot more people that are going Dude. towards pickleball versus tennis. Man, I couldn't have said it any better. I couldn't uh, have I'm going to turn that better. into a clip right there. All right. <laughs> there what, it is. That's awesome. I'm going to charge you double. You're hired, buddy. You're hired. <laughs> All right. So uh, what are some of the challenges that you face so far, you know, doing this? Obviously, you know, entrepreneurship is its own thing, but with respect to pickleball, What's the hard part about doing what you're doing? Sure. Uh, and, you know, it's a great question. Um, I guess just like any other small business starting out, getting known, getting the brand out there, getting getting uh, people to take you serious versus the already ones established. Um, and in my experience, it's getting the product in people's hands. You know, it's, it's the only way in my in, from what I'm seeing out there is how you can really attest to to your product, to your quality. And you're going to get some feedback. It may be positive and it may be negative, but it's feedback nonetheless that you're getting as opposed to just maybe relying on a website. You know, And don't get me wrong, how are you doing a great job? It's a beautiful website. I'm constantly getting uh, compliments on it. Um, and it's a great tool. But uh, more importantly, you have to get the product in people's hands is what I'm finding in this world. Anyways. So you mentioned quality. What do you? It's just pickleball, right? What's the quality component you're talking about? So uh, USA, the USA Pickleball Association has standards in terms of the type of uh, equipment you put out in the market, uh, at least for competitive play. Um, and so you have to meet certain standards again to pass certification, which our products are. Uh, and so I've done a bunch of research. It's funny when I was getting into the sport. Um, I didn't know what paddle to get, what to buy, right? Uh, so I'm new to it. I don't know what to do I, unless I go to an experienced person. They can, which, no, it's so new you don't know where to go. And, and so I'm I'm bringing a lot of my experience into the experience I'd like to provide for others. Um, but along the way, I didn't. I, there's all these paddles. Which one do I like? So I, I just started doing research on my own, and I found a company out in California that uh, allowed me to design my own paddle, and. It was my first kind of like getting my feet wet and designing the product subconsciously without knowing, hey, I'm going to open a pickleball company in a year, you know. So I was, I was training myself for future. And because I was doing the research early on, you know, what type of uh, paddles, what type of uh, core, uh, the length, the thickness uh, and how it affects the ball, you know, all those factors get into consideration when you're just when you're choosing your your material um, of and so uh, it was great because that ultimately allowed me to produce the products that we're doing now. Well, and as people improve, they want things that are better because now to fine-tune the game, you need the right ball, you need the right equipment, you have the right shoes. There's a whole bunch of things. And then, of course, you got to look good. So you got to have a nice logo on a cap <laughs> and then a bag to carry right. all your equipment. And, and then it has to smell. Yeah, and a website. <laughs> and you have, then it has to smell nice, so you have to have the little the little sense balls that you put in there so it doesn't smell like pickleball sweat. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, look, one thing I did learn starting uh, moving from counterclaim, the, the public adjusters, my my first business entrepreneurial venture, if you will, to uh, pickleball is that you got to start out with two things strong. Marketing, thanks, Howie, and bookkeeping. <laughs> thanks, Imad, mm -hmm. um, with simply bookkeeping. Uh, that's, those are two of the biggest things I could say. Unless you're experts in those fields, Stay true to what you're, you're good at and leave those items to the experts, uh, and you'll be in a way better position. Yeah, I agree 100%. All 
All right, Jesse, if folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, we have our social media handles as well. It's hands, H-A-N-D-Z, Pickleball, um, or handspickleball.com as well. Uh, we are uh, currently working on, on developing a facility and uh, uh, here in San Antonio. And uh, as more details get concrete, we'll, we'll be doing an announcement. Love it. All right, thanks very much, Jesse, Thank you. for coming. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. All right, next up on the show is Daniel Grove, a photo and video expert and the owner of Daniel Grove Photography. Daniel, super excited to have you in. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. You seem really excited. Just calm down over there, will you? <laughs> he holds it in. He holds it in. He's been waiting patiently. Poker face. <laughs> All right, poker face. All right, so uh, Daniel, tell me a little bit about your background, how you got started with photography. Sure. So I got started in, with photography in high school. Um, I graduated in 2007 and New from Canyon High School, and I used my family camera to create art. I've been an artist my whole life, going back into early childhood. My whole family is very creative. All my two older brothers and I are very, were really big on drawing. So I was an artist already, and I discovered with my family camera I could take pictures that were also had this element of art to it that I didn't know. I was never trained, never educated on this, but some pictures just stood out to me as interesting, and they like tickled that thing in my head that is the artist part of my brain. And um, then discovering Photoshop on the computer and editing the pictures that I had made brought in this whole new layer of artisticness that I could apply to the photos I'd already created. And it just went from there. And that was like in middle school, I was already doing Photoshop and taking pictures. So I was very blessed to find my passion early on in life. So it just went uphill from there. Um, in high school, I got, you know, a better camera. My family got it for me for Christmas and uh, best gift ever. We used the heck out of that thing. I actually took so many pictures at one trip. I went, I went to a missions trip in Germany with my youth group, and I took so many pictures in the two-week span, I broke the camera and just stopped working at the end of it. And I still have all those pictures, still have everything I took. When we back to my early days, which is really fun. But, uh, yeah, I just started off the, um, kind of discovering digital art, and then I discovered a portraiture, which is, you know, people in my photo, um, later in high school. And that was just – that clicked because I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love their stories. And with photography, I can capture that story in a certain you know piece of it, tell their story, capture people's personality, and that just became my new love. So awesome! Yeah. Were you tempted to go right into work and start making money, or did you go to college? What was your path? Now I eased my way into it as far as business. Um, I did start charging. I think my senior year, you know, like twenty dollars just to have something in my pocket. I was not a business person until a few years ago. Actually, okay. the business side hurt me a lot for many years. Um, until I got a business coach and kind of kicked my butt into shape. But, uh, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> hey, great path. So a lot of folks are, you know, doing photos with their iPhones and whatnots, right? So why is it important to actually have stage photography like you're talking about? Well, when you're not the one worrying about a picture being taken, especially if, let's say, you're the boss of a, of a, a place or you're running an event, you don't need to worry about that. And when you're not worrying about it and someone that that's their thing is worrying about it, you have so much less stress and things to worry about and plan. And that's their, you know, that's my specialty is capturing things. Um, also, obviously, I have equipment that is far superior <laughs> to iPhone. As great as the iPhone camera is, it can't do things that I can do um, on location and in post with my editing. There's just a lot more to it. I also tell you, <clears throat> I've seen people buy expensive equipment, maybe <laughs> yeah. even better than yours. <laughs> and you know what? Their stuff sucks. <laughs> That's because not that's not what they do for a living, yeah, yeah. and they're not studying it, and they don't have a passion for it, and they don't see a butterfly or a plant or something, and you're like, oh, you know what? Move over here. Move mm -hmm. over here. They don't have they're it. just like, hey, you know what? I'm going to depend on the equipment. Tennis is like that, too. You're Back right. in the day, people yeah. would spend a 
$1,200 on a racket, come out looking great, expensive bag, Lacoste, everything, you know. Uh, Sergio Ticini or who was, that, who was that guy? The tennis guy, some tennis guy. And every, he had a whole line of clothing, and you come out, and they can't hit a backhand. They're losing. It's you know true. I mean? Pickleball, too. You got people buying expensive That's paddles, funny. but uh, right. thinking it'll help. So, great. yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you, I know, have a knife for it because I've seen mm-hmm. your stuff. You've taken some pictures of me. I mean, and it, it is, it's a talent. Right, mm-hmm. and you continue to develop it and evolve it, yeah. and and that's something that a business owner or somebody who thinks they know everything or has expensive <laughs> equipment thinks they can do it too. So I think what I gathered in the research I was doing about you, because I don't know you that well, but uh, my opinion of what your passion is in this is storytelling and conveying emotion mm-hmm. and that storytelling, and I think I pretty I connected well with that when I was watching your YouTube video on that is that you take the time to prep, mm-hmm. which is super important, so that you can execute well out there, which allows you to calm down and then actually extract out of that experience the very best mm-hmm. that you can get. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, preparation is really important for my work. Um, I am kind of a pho- photography generalist, which means I, I do a lot of different types of photography. I don't know, some specialize in just weddings or just babies. I do pretty much everything. As long as they have their clothes on, I'll do that. But there's still a similar amount of preparation that goes on before the shoot happens. Um, picking the right location is the first big thing. That's the frame around a beautiful painting. you got to have a good frame on it, too. So the frame, the outside is the location. Where are we going to do this? Does it make sense? Is it safe? Do we need to pay for a permit? Um, weather, time of day is really important, too. So all that is decided on way, way early up front. And then the next thing is, okay, what do we want to portray? What's, what are you going to wear? What style are we doing? Are we doing grungy, edgy stuff? Are we doing bright bohemian fairy you know like what's the thing what's the deal with the photo shoot what's the purpose behind it all that has to be decided all that has to be decided ahead of time in order for me to bring my 100 percent to the game and, and for them to get what they want in the end well and posing too yeah, posing, sketching mm-hmm. out the posing i thought yeah. was very interesting too because yeah. it's not something you necessarily think about as a layperson like myself going into it but when you're like asking those questions what poses are we talking about yeah. and then you sketch them and you say hey this is what this looks like. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, sketching, uh, like I said earlier, I was, I was a drawing artist before I became a digital picture artist. And so bringing that skill into my photography career has been really fun and helpful for my clients and also for me. I had a shoot where this all originated from, drawing poses beforehand, was I had a shoot in January. It could not be rescheduled or done any later. Uh, and it was really cold that day. It turned about 50 degrees that day, like a cold, windy 50 degrees. You know, all the northern people watching and say, let's well, that's like a normal, normal day for us. But it was a cold 50 degrees here in Texas. And I realized that it's going to be really cold. Uh, it's going to hurt. Like your fingers start to slow down and your faces get red. So I sketched out poses ahead of time. It was an engagement shoot with a couple. And we knocked that thing out in about like 20 minutes. Normally it would have been about a one-hour shoot, you know, wandering around, trying different poses, seeing what worked and what didn't. But I had things, I had drew about 15 different poses and we just knocked them all out fast and efficient. And uh, it was great. And ever since that, I said, this is an amazing tool. And I don't use it on every shoot, but I do use it on more complicated and technical shoots where I don't want to be trying to reinvent the wheel on location and, you know, hitting a block or looking like I don't know what I'm doing. Like I have poses planned ahead of time for them. And they love it. So, Daniel, using your sketching abilities and skills is definitely a differentiator for you. One of the other things that stood out to me, that stood out to Mark, one of the things that stood out to me when I looked at your stuff is that you're somewhat of a teacher. Like you like to teach others, teach other photographers and videographers and people on social media. Where where does that come from? So, yeah, I love teaching. I love sharing my knowledge to other people who need it and want it. Um, I never had any mentors photographically 
really didn't have a whole lot of people teaching me or helping me along the way. There was a few people here and there that gave me like nuggets, but by and large, I learned through trial and error, which is not pretty. I calculated at one point, it took me about eight years to get to a point where my photos were looking, you know, professional and what I saw in my head was actually in my camera now. And it took that's eight years of wasted. Like I could have gotten that in a year or two if I had a mentor or, you know, if YouTube has been developed at that time, which was barely, you know, growing um, early on in my photo days. So uh, because I learned the hard way and I wasted a lot of years, I enjoy helping people not do the same dumb stuff that I did. <laughs> right. I like to help them get a, a, a jump start and, uh, uh, you know, go into warp drive mode in their learning because I have stuff that they want to know. I'm not the best. I don't know everything, but I do know a good chunk of stuff that new new people will want to learn. So, so let's talk about the uh, real quick because we're about out of time. And then, of course, we'll have the after show. We'll get into more of the business aspect, which I'm t excited to talk about as well. Mm -hmm. But something that maybe a layperson like myself doesn't fully appreciate, too, is the post-editing oh, yeah. part of what happens there. We figure, well, it's just the picture. Just give <laughs> me the picture. What kind of stuff goes into the post-editing? Yeah, a lot of time and a lot of sitting. <laughs> Uh, a lot of my life is spent at the computer, and I enjoy that part. Uh, thankfully, some photographers don't. But, uh, yeah, you uh, for an average shoot, even like your headshot session, probably two to 300 pictures. And in the end, probably 10 or 20 winners out of that bunch. So there's a selection process. You have to be very attention detailed and zooming in, checking out if the photo isn't sharp or unique or, you know, the best one of the batch. Um, the editing, there's a retouching, color correction. I use Photoshop and Lightroom. Those are two of the leading, you know, industry standard Adobe programs, and I love them to death. Uh, those are also things that I teach and help others um, grasp. But yeah, there's there's a lot to it, and there's a lot of file management. There's uh, delivery and sending of files, and there's a lot to it. So <laughs> it it sounds like it could even be a multiple of the amount of time you take and set up oh, and yeah. taking the picture. Yeah, You're probably like three, four, five times yeah. as much time behind the scenes. Yes. When I priced out my wedding packages specifically, I realized I did a bunch of math and metrics on my own time, spent on three weddings in a row just to get an average. And I realized that for one hour of shooting a wedding, I spent two to three hours sitting and editing those same pictures. Right. So if I do a 10-hour wedding, that's almost 20 hours of sitting and editing. And yeah, I have a client that has a, bo a body shop. And and he you know he's like I, I always thought like ah oh, you just paint it he goes he goes the painting the painting takes an hour the prep work takes ten hours yeah right bondo sanding this masking out all the things oh. you don't want to get painted all that other stuff and so he said the Dirty the work. real secret is not necessarily in the spring that you have to have a bit of an art but the mm -hmm. real secret is in all the prep work and getting mm -hmm. all that ready so makes love sense. it all right Daniel if folks want to get in touch with you how do they do that. So you can just Google me. I have so many accounts online, different social media and whatnot. Uh, just Daniel Grove Photo. You'll find me. Of course, I got my .com. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And, uh, yeah. That's about yeah. It. All, All right. right. Excellent. No nakedphoto.com. No. Nope. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. As we wrap up the show, quick reminder, check out our latest podcast and catch video versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at satalkradio.com. If you are part of our Facebook group, uh, you can stick around for the extra content, which will be, of course, posted on the uh, Facebook group um, for the the after, what, what do we call it? The post, post show. Post show, right? Mm -hmm. The exclusive. That's the exclusive. word. Exclusive. Exclusive, exclusive content. content. Sounds expensive. Copyright. It, it probably will be. All right. <laughs> so thanks, everybody. You guys did a great job, and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Look All forward right. to it.